This anointed teaching by Apostle David Muluzi is brought to you by God's Tabernacle Christian Family Church. We hope you have an encounter with God as you listen to this message. Father, we thank you for your word tonight in Jesus' name. We thank you that God, even as we receive your word tonight, that you minister unto us by your spirit. I thank you for revelation knowledge that will flow from my heart, that will touch the lives of people in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. And Lord, I promise to give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor for all that you will do and accomplish through your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, tonight, I want us to look at the life of Paul. You know, how Paul had an encounter with God and how he met the Lord and how God really transformed and changed his life and that he was a different person. You know, that from then on, he never looked back because he had that encounter with God. You know, it's so much important that we, we look into that. So if you have your Bible, please turn with me to Acts chapter 9. And we are going to read from verse 1. And we will see what the Lord is saying uh, here in Acts chapter 1. You know, from verse 1. And trust that you are finding the scriptures. Uh, and remember, Stephen was stoned and uh, Paul was there to give, uh, to say that I agree, I support. You know, this thing is not right, that people would preach about Jesus. All that we know is the way that our forefathers taught us. And this new religion, we don't, we don't take it. And so uh, then we read here from verse 1 in Acts chapter 9, but Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, the Bible tells us here that Paul was breathing threats and breathing murder. Uh, I mean, this is a, it, 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 it's a unique way of saying uh, that he was breathing there. Uh, like, uh, you know, he was just, maybe at night he was dreaming, how am I going to threaten these Christians? You know, how can I kill them? in such a way that others should learn and should never ever be followers of Christ. He was breathing it. Yeah. So in other words, it is in his DNA. Yeah. It was his lifetime that I want to kill and annihilate these people. He was obsessed with killing, arresting, and uh, all these Christians. So that is why the Bible says he was still breathing. You know, he looked at the death of, of uh, Stephen, you know, the stoning of Stephen. He said that 
you know, this is, this is something great. I think people should learn. And now, this is how we kill Stephen. We need to take it to a higher level now of killing people and those that are there of warning them. So you can see that he was obsessed with coming against Christianity. And we know that you know, for a person to be like that, it's like the spirit of the devil is just taking over, you know, leading him. And you find that people are acting that way. And maybe later on when they get saved, they say, I don't know what I was doing. You know, like Paul in his letters, he would attest to that, you know, that I, all that I did, I did it in ignorance. Yeah. And so, but he was day and night thinking about how am I going to kill these people? How am I going to destroy? How am I going to arrest them? You know, how am I going? So it was just ringing, brainstorming, you know, in him that I need to make more harm to Christians. Uh, and so he went to the high priest and said, can you please give me letters that should I find some in Damascus, I should arrest them and bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, his ultimate aim was not just that they would be in prison. You know, it was that he would kill them. You know, he would bind them, get them to Jerusalem, and also kill them because he wanted to get rid of this Christianity. You see, people out there, uh, there are those that want to get rid of Christianity. You know, anything Christian is like, yeah, but Dana, you know, it's just they are not happy about it. If I can just get rid of it. And so this is the situation where Paul was, you know, Saul at that time. And so verse 3 tells us, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus. And suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. You know, all of a sudden, a light shone around him. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so glad that you know, God is patient with us. You know, even what we do in ignorance, you know, that he will be there and he will be there to help us, to work with us. Uh, and so Paul, I don't know how many people he had really been behind sub uh, arresting and killing, you know, but God did not give up on him. Aren't you glad that God didn't give up on you? Yeah, that you're saved because God found you. Yeah, because whatever that you're doing, you're doing it in ignorance. You didn't know that, you know, I'm actually fighting God. And so he, on his way, suddenly a light came and shone around him. Yeah, and that light, verse 4, you know, falling to the ground. So it forced him to fall on the ground. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. Yeah. And so, 
Paul had an encounter with Jesus right on his mission to eliminate the church. Now, he had an encounter with Jesus. And Jesus said that he spoke to him and said that, why are you persecuting me? Now, he says that, you know, when you're persecuting the church, you're persecuting me. You see, Jesus takes it personal when we fight the church. You know, and it has been a prayer of my heart that God help me not to fight the church. You know, not to fight uh, what God is doing, maybe in other ministries. Whatever I don't understand, that God should give me grace to keep my, my mouth shut and never fight against it. You know, and as long as I can't prove in the Bible, you know, that what, it's, what they are doing, it's wrong. You know, that God help me grace, you know, not to fight the church, you know, not to instigate uh, people against what God is doing. You know, because when I do that, I am fighting the Lord. You know? And so, uh, and all of us, when we are in the church, we need to be very careful, you know, that on things that we cannot prove in the Bible that, oh, so-and-so is doing wrong, maybe the leadership of the church is doing wrong, that we can't have scripture you know, and verse to say that they are wrong, you know, that we need to be very careful that we're not fighting that. You know, fighting that by our actions, fighting that by our attitude, fighting that by our, our uh, words that we say, you know, because uh, we might be finding ourselves fighting the Lord. And so here, Jesus said to Paul, he said that you are fighting me. You know, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Yeah, so, so meaning that Paul had been in, a, he did not only support the persecution of, of uh, Stephen, but he had been there persecuting other Christians. And Jesus took it personal and said that you are persecuting me. Yeah, but Jesus gave him a lifeline. He said, but go into the city, you know, and you will be told what to do. Uh, and uh, you look at Paul, he wrote half of the New Testament. Yeah, the scriptures uh, that he wrote, revelations that he had, God used him mightily. Uh, and he was so much dedicated to God. When you read 1 Corinthians 8, uh, I think uh, 1 Corinthians 9 and 10, you know, he talks about how he was persecuted for the church. You know, that he was, he suffered a shipwreck. You know, that he, he experienced so many persecutions. You know, that he was out there and uh, he, was, he was left for dead. He was stoned. You know, and all of that, he was jailed many a times. He received 39 stripes. You know, people, you know, he suffered all of this for the Lord Jesus Christ. And you ask yourself that why would he really uh, go through that? You know, I mean, if it was another person would say that, uh, you know, uh, you know, Pila Pila, 
I, 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 you know, this Jesus, I don't know, you know, who he is. You know, I'd rather, you know, continue with my life, forget about this Jesus, and let me do what I, I, you know, I want to do. Let me have my own career, forget about Jesus. Paul would have easily said that. You know, but amidst all persecutions, he held on to the Lord. And I believe that he held on to the Lord because he had an encounter with God. You know, he knew that God met me on my way to Damascus. He knew that I was there lost, but God came through in my life. And the Bible says that a light shone. You know, so he experienced the light. He had a voice. You know, he had an experience with God. And so that's what you know, I'm talking about today, that we should have a personal experience with God. You should not just know God that because somebody convinced you that you should, you should be born again. You know, but you should have an encounter with God to know that God is real. I have seen the power of God. I have seen God coming through in my life. You know, that I have seen that light. I can recall clearly the voice that I heard. Now, I'm not saying that we should be going out there looking for voices and looking for, because you will hear voices and so forth. But what I'm simply saying is that we should endeavor to have an encounter with God. You know, that God must speak to us. God must be real uh, in our lives. And so Paul had that experience. And so that's why it does not matter what was thrown unto him. He held on to the Lord because he knew the Lord in whom he believed. You know, it was personal. You know, he had that encounter with God from within. He knew that I am now changed. He knew that the God that I was fighting, it's real. You know, it's not that these people are convinced by a boy from Nazareth. No, he knew that this is the Lord. You know, just like uh, you know, the disciples, when Jesus uh, died and, you know, and he was buried, and from there, he, he, you know, from there the disciples... You know, everyone went to he back to his more like his career, and and, and <coughs> there were those who were fishing. You know, and uh, what happened is that uh, you know they saw a man, and then he asked them, "Have you caught any fish?" You know, and so forth. And then when their eyes were opened, they say, "It is the Lord." You know, it is the Lord. They remember that you know this is the Lord that we have been with. Three and a half years. This is the Lord that we have we have interacted. You know, He is real. He is the Lord. Yeah. Remember the two disciples of Jesus on their way to Emmaus, uh, that they were going, and Jesus came up. You know, now this is after the burial and, and resurrection, and Jesus came up. He walked with them, and then He said, "That what are you talking about?" They say, are you the only man who don't know what has happened in Jerusalem, you know, about Jesus? And then from there, 
Uh, the Bible says Jesus explained to them that this was bound to happen, you know, according to the scriptures and so forth. And when they got into the city, they said that he must wait, you know, with him, but, you know, he disappeared. And then only then they realized that it is the Lord. Now, I love, I love their report. They say, didn't our heart burn within us? when he spoke to us on, our, on the way to Emmaus. You know, didn't our hearts burn within us? Yeah, that, that is what I'm talking about. You know, this morning we were talking about the, the life that is in the word of God, that we are to live by the way, and that the way that we are living by, it's, it's backed up by life. Yeah. And so when this disciple says that didn't our hearts burn within us, uh, like they were saying that, you know, we just ignore this. There was an experience there, you know, that God was giving us. We, you know, that there was something unique. There was the life of God. There was the, the life of God penetrating our hearts. Uh, that it was not just an educational you know, told that we had and somebody was educating us and explaining that we need to have this and that. But he said that our hearts were burning within us. Didn't our hearts burn within us? Yeah, so uh, uh, that is what I'm talking about, that as a child of God, we should have an experience, an encounter with the Lord. You know, and when we have an encounter with the Lord, we need to make sure that we are living for God. We need to make sure that, I'm telling you that, when we have an encounter with God, nothing will really take away that encounter you know, that you have with the Lord. I'm saying here today that our Christianity should not be superficial. Yeah. We saw that uh, to those that Christianity was superficial during this lockdown, they, they fell away you know, that they say, oh, you know, what a holiday. At least we can't go to church and so forth. You know, these are the people whose Christianity was superficial. But those that knew that God is real and it's real in their lives and that it is important to serve God, I'm telling that every time the church was open, they were there running you know, going to church, attending the services, because they know that they had an encounter with God, that God is real. When they had the way, or maybe sometime in, uh, uh, in, in their lives, that they experience God ministering and working by his spirit in their lives. They, they experience their hearts, you know, warming and getting hot in their hearts even as they receive the word of God. Yeah. And so that's what we need to be doing even as we look into the word of God, even as we, uh, uh, we look at what God says in his word. And so coming back to our story here in the book of Acts chapter 9, you know, and so we see that a light shone around Paul and the word, a voice came and spoke to Paul. Two things yeah, that you can't dispute. Yeah. Two things uh, that uh, 
you know, that you can't take away from Paul, you know, is that I saw that light, you know, is that I heard that voice. I heard God speaking to me. Yeah, so that was, that was an experience that you, know, you could not take it away from God. And, and you know, when we come to church, you know, such experiences are available to people that press on to the Lord. You know, I see some people when we come to church, you know, maybe it's praise and worship, they're looking about, you know, checking out which hairstyle is cool here, you know, what uh, color, you know, who has, you know, color blocking and, you know, whose shoe is what. And, and uh, they would do everything except to press in to the Lord. Yeah? And such people really never experience the, the encounter with God. It's like they come to church, you know, it would be as good as going to a movie somewhere. Yeah, because they never really experience their life and the encounter with the Lord. Yeah, but those that come to church and are pressing on to the Lord, you know, are worshiping God, are having that encounter with God, I'm telling you that they know even after they leave the church, uh, they, after church service, they know that they have met God. Their hearts were burning within us, had burned within them. Uh, and they had experienced God waking and ministering in their lives. Uh, and so it's very much important, church, that we experience that in our lives. And so Paul had that experience, and you cannot take it away from him. You know, well, I remember uh, when I got born again, the day that I got born again on the 8th of May, 1983, I can't say that I had an encounter with God at that time. You know, but I knew that I needed to take this step. But you know, it was like there. I knew I needed to do, but it was there. You know, it, but later on, you know, when I pressed on with God, I'm telling you that God became real. Because uh, after the day that I, born, I got born again, really, I, I never really, I, for the whole week, Christians were meeting at the, at the Bible, at the uh, school, you know, uh, SCM, every day having a prayer, and I never joined them. I knew that they were Christians meeting, but I never joined them. You know, and for more than a week, you know, and up until somebody made a follow-up, and I went, and you know, from there I started serving God. Uh, but today I can point out to times and moments where I had an encounter with God. And then from that on, from then on, I knew that God is real. I knew that God, you cannot just uh, take him superficial. I knew that he is real, you know. And then I said, continued serving God and living for God. You know, God became real. And so every, you know, often I experience that encounter with God, the presence of God that you cannot explain in any way, being so real, you know, being so much uh, in the area uh, that, that, I, that, that it's like I come to a point whereby I am fully convinced of the existence of God, fully convinced 
of the genuineness of salvation, fully convinced of the uh, power of God that is available to work and minister, fully convinced of that. And so that is why, you know, and I'm grateful to God for such experiences that I've had, you know, that also when I look into the word of God, you know, that the way it's like it becoming so real. You know, when God says that I am the Lord that healeth thee, I am the Lord that heals you, it is so real because I have seen God healing me. I have seen God coming through and healing people, touching people uh, by his spirit. It is so real you know, that uh, today when you come to me and say, it's healing really real, you know, I will laugh at you and say, Oh, yes, it's real. If you say, you try to convince me, ah, you know, healing does not work. The power of God does not work, you know, because it's not scientifically proven, you know, this and that. I will laugh at you because you are late, because I have seen God's, God real in my life. And so you could not take away, really, the presence of God from Paul. And that is why he held on, he pressed on, with God, he lived for God, he served God, he was committed to God because he had an encounter with the Lord. I pray that we would press in with God and have that encounter. Hallelujah. Let's continue reading. Praise God. Now, <clears throat> The Bible says, look at verse 7. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Yeah. These people, what happened? <clears throat> they stood speechless. They were dumbfounded. They, yeah, they, they didn't know what to say. You know, have you been to a place whereby you're shocked? You don't know what to say. Yeah. So that's how these people were. They were speechless you know, because they had the voice, but they saw no one. Yeah. So it was really amazing and shocking to them that how could this be? We're hearing the voice, but we're looking around. We are not seeing any person. You know, we're hearing the voice, but we don't see any person. Yeah. So, verse 8, so Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, neither ate nor drank. Now, there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he said, here I am. So here is another encounter that we see. Uh, that Paul, we see here that he stood up, he rose, he opened his eyes. His eyes were open, but he could not see. So he lost his, his sight. He was blind. And so they took him by the hand and led him to Damascus. And uh, for three days, 
he could not eat, he could not drink, he could not uh, do anything, but he was just praying. Yeah. And in the same city, remember what God said to him. God said that, go into the city and uh, I will send somebody out. You will be told what to do, you know, right there in the city. And so uh, somebody was to tell him what to do. And now we see Ananias. <clears throat> Ananias was in a, a different house, you know, in the same city. And in the same city, what happens? God speaks to him. He appeared in a vision. He had a vision, you know, and then God called him out, Ananias. Aren't you glad that God knows us by our names? You know, he knows who we are. He knows, you know, uh, what, what's your name? You know, he knows everything about us. And so God said, Ananias, you know, and uh, he called him out by, by his name. So he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. So what we see here, <clears throat> here is Paul appearing to Ananias, and he's telling Ananias, go to a specific house, you know, call a, a house, a, you know, by the name of a house that belongs to Judas, you know, and that house is in the name called Straight. <clears throat> and you will find Paul, you will find Saul, you know, and you should pray for him. He says, this Saul, he has seen in a vision. So, uh, just think about this. Paul was blind, and uh, Paul could not see. He went there for three days, three nights, he was fasting, and he was praying. So in the middle of that fasting and praying and seeking God, God still gives him a vision. Yeah. I mean, I looked at this and I was so blessed uh, that uh, even though people were blind, God could still come through and that they could see a vision. Uh, and why would that happen? You see, this shows us that there is the physical thing aspect and there is a spiritual aspect. You know, that <clears throat> there is a physical seeing and there is also a spiritual seeing. And so he saw God gave him a vision. You know, and what did he see in a vision? You know, he saw a man named Ananias you know, come in. And he saw in a vision a man <clears throat> laying his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Yeah. And, you know, and, and he saw that this is what God had showed him. 
And you know, what he's telling me and showing me is that uh, God really, when we work with God, God is working differently in many ways. You know, he's working in our lives, he's working. And so here is Paul, waiting on God, praying, seeking God, and God gives him a vision of what he had planned. Uh, that I had planned that Ananias will go and pray for Paul, pray for, for Saul, and he will see. You know, he will come to, uh, uh, his eyes will be open. He saw that in a vision. So God is in control. He knows the end from the beginning. You know, when, when things start, he knows how it's going to end up. And so this is also telling me that, you know, God is knowing everything about me. He's knowing, you know, uh, what will be happening uh, tomorrow, what will be happening next week, what will be happening. And so he knows everything about me. And so I am safe when my life is in the hands of God. And so, church, I believe also the same thing applies to you, that you are safe when your hands are in, when your life is in the hands of God. And so, uh, the Bible tells us that Ananias now started to complain in verse 13. And Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. And so uh, we see here that uh, God said that this is an instrument of mine, and he will carry my name to the Gentiles. He will go before kings and also the children of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my kingdom, for my name. And so God gave him a revelation of his ministry. You know, so it was, it was like one encounter after the other. You know, that he had God speaking to him, you know, and he saw the light, he moved on, and now he experienced God you know, seeing a vision while he's in Damascus. And then... Uh, and, and God said that I will show him. So, so it means that, that that vision was not the end of visions. There were also many other visions that he experienced, many other things that God revealed to him that would be happening. And so nothing really took Paul by surprise you know, because he knew that you know, this is my mission. He knew that I'm going to go through, through this and God was going to be with me. I remember at one time, Paul was on his way. He says that I want to spend Pentecost in Jerusalem, the Feast of Pentecost. <clears throat> and he went into uh, you know, Philip's house in, in Caesarea. <clears throat> and 
so he was coming from Asia Minor, you know, by ship, and he landed in Caesarea, and he spent some time uh, at Philip's house. The Bible says that Philip, he had four daughters who prophesied, and uh, while he was there, prophet Agabus came, and he met with the brethren, and during the meeting, uh, Agabus took, uh, among many bells that were there, you know, he took the bell, you know, and he bound himself. And then he said that this is what is going to happen <clears throat> to a man, you know, who owns this bell. And the Bible says that, you know, everybody knew that this is Paul. And the Bible says that the brethren uh, tried to persuade him not to go to Jerusalem because he's going to be arrested. And Paul said that, why are you really breaking my heart? Yeah, because I'm not only willing to be arrested, but I'm also willing to, to, to die for the Lord Jesus. So he had settled in his heart that, you know, that's it, I'm going to die. You know, I mean, if it comes, if it calls for death, I will. But I think Paul knew something. You know, looking at that, Paul knew something that the brethren <clears throat> did not know. He knew that God said to him that he will bear witness to the Gentiles. At that time, he had gone to Gentiles, to the kings. He had not spoken to King Agrippa. He has not spoken to Caesar. And so uh, God knew that, you know, even if I am arrested there, but I'm not going to die at that time because there is still, I still have a mission. Uh, and then I say to people that, you know, we need to be serving God. We need to be committed to the Lord. We need to be given to the work of God. And we need to focus on doing what God has called us to do. And we should not worry about whatever danger is there. We know that we, you will never die before you accomplish your mission. You, know, you will never die prematurely. I refuse that you die prematurely in Jesus' name. That we will only die when we have finished our course. You know, when uh, we are done here on earth, that's when we will check out you know, and say, I'm done. What God has called me to do here on earth, you know, I fulfilled it and then I'm done. I can go home now. And so, but before then, you're not going anywhere. I refuse that you go anywhere before you finish your mission in Jesus' name. I declare you will never die prematurely in Jesus' name. I refuse you to die prematurely before you finish your assignment here on earth in the name of Jesus Christ that you will live your life to the fullest. You will fulfill what God has called you to do. And so Paul knew that you know, there is also King Agrippa. I need to testify to that man. There is also Caesar. And also people are, that are in Caesar's house, I need to testify to them. And so he says, look here, guys. Don't worry about this. This is not going to take my life. It's like, you know, in a hindsight, you know, that's probably what God, you know, was saying. You know, if I look back and, uh, and, and look at what 
you know, what the Bible is saying, you know, probably that's what uh, Paul was saying, you know, that I'm not going to die before my time. And so he says, why are you breaking my heart? You know, please don't break my heart. Yeah. And so, church, uh, we should never worry about whatever danger that is there. All our concern must be, I need to do what God has called me to do. You know, and when we do what God called us to do, we know that God will be there for us. So God said to, uh, to Paul, you know, God said to Ananias, he said that this Paul, this soul, I still have to show him how much he must suffer for my kingdom. You know, that <clears throat> there are a number of things that he needs to be doing. You know, and so he's not going anywhere. You know, he's going to, uh, you know, uh, he's going to experience my power, my grace upon his life. Yeah. And so, in uh, verse 17, so Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. Hallelujah. Yeah. And so, yeah, just on this scripture, eh? uh, what we see here, it's, you know, God is so good. And this is the, in the whole of, the whole Bible, eh? this is the only time whereby a title is mentioned. Yeah. And it says here, Brother Saul. Yeah. Now, there is nowhere else whereby this is done this way. You know? So there is no pastor so-and-so. There is no bishop so-and-so. There is no apostle so or prophet so In the whole Bible, you know, even Paul, you know, there would always be Paul, an apostle, of Jesus, you know, that it was a function, not a title. So, but here, uh, it is, is the only place in the Bible where a title is mentioned, you know, and Ananias said, Brother Saul, yeah. and, uh, you know, so when he gave that title, you know, Brother Saul, yeah, he didn't say Saul, my brother. He says, brother, Saul, you know, that you qualify to be <clears throat> my brother. You qualify. You have been taken to status of a brethren, a brother in the Lord. Yeah. And he says, he explains to him that the Lord will appear to him. And uh, so it's like both of them knew what had happened without even meeting each other. Yeah, they knew. Paul knew that Ananias will come and lay his sense upon him. So definitely, he must have known what I experienced on the road. You know. And Ananias also knew that 
that that Paul experienced had an encounter on the road, and that now he was blind, and that I need to lay my hands upon him. And so that is why he said, the Lord who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me that you may regain your sight. And not only that, but also that you may be filled with the Holy Spirit. So he was a brother already, but he was not filled with the Holy Spirit. And so what am I saying? You know, some people are saying that you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not necessary because when you get born again, you automatically receive the Holy Spirit. Yes, you receive the Holy Spirit, but it's not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, and there are also those that are saying that uh, when, you are, uh, uh, um, when you are filled, you know, when you are born again, there is no need for you to be filled later on with the Holy Spirit. What you have, it's enough. Yeah. And we see that also, that you know, that is not correct, because even though he was filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, God saw it fit that he needed, I mean, even though he was born again, he was a brother, you know, he was born again, he had an encounter with God, and for the last three days he was praying, you know, and he was seeing vision. I mean, how can you do that if you're not born again? Yeah, so he was born again. Yeah, but he was not filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so he needed also a second encounter, if I can call it, of the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And now, if the baptism of the Holy Spirit was not necessary, then God would not have assigned Ananias to go and feel and pray for Paul that he, be, that he receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so he says that God has sent me here, you know, that I should pray for you and that you be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so praying in tongues is important. It's great. It's powerful. Yeah. And uh, it's a gift that God has given us that we will do wonders you know, with it, you know, that God will work supernatural when as we pray in the Holy Spirit, as we pray in tongues. And so he said to him that God has sent me to regain your sight, uh, to pray for you that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he laid his hands upon him and immediately scales fell from him, and he regained his sight. He rose, you know, and was baptized. You know, he was baptized that moment because he had an encounter with God, because he knew that, you know, I am born again. And so uh, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he also uh, baptized in water. Uh, and, and, you know, you can see that he was saying that I'm going all the way with the Lord. You know, I'm going all the way. I don't want half-hearted uh, commitment. You know, I don't want to go halfway. You know, I'm going all the way. It was like Paul was ready to say, what is it? You know, and say, 
No, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, here I am. You know, pray for me. You know, and then after that, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He spoke in tongues and so forth. And he said, what is it again? And they said, now uh, you need to uh, be baptized in water. He says, let's go. You know, like that eunuch that we read about last week. Let's go. And then you know, organize water. And he was baptized in water. Yeah. And then after that, he was always asking, what's next? Well, the brethren are meeting uh, in, uh, you know, for prayers and for, you need to fellowship with them. Okay, I am there, you know, and uh, I need to fellowship with the brethren. And he was now fellowshipping with the brethren. Yeah. And then from there, they asked him, yeah, I mean, probably was asking, what's next? They say, you need now to testify that you're born again. You know, we don't want submarine Christians here. You know, Christians that are Christians only inside, and it's only, only them that are born, that, that know that they are saved. <clears throat> they don't want to let people know that they are saved. You know, so you need to talk. You know, he said, okay, you know, it's not a big deal. He went to the synagogue, and then he proclaimed the gospel, yeah, and people were amazed. You know, and they said that, you know, look at verse 21. <coughs> Excuse me. Says in verse 21, and all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem? You see, I mean, the man had made, made havoc in Jerusalem. Made havoc in Jerusalem of those who call upon this name. Has he not come here for this purpose to bring them bound before the chief priests? And verse 22, but Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who live in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Yeah. So whatever he learned, he did. He was active Christian. Yeah. Uh, he was living in actualization, yeah. not in daydreaming, and being a submarine Christian. You know. And so whatever he learned, he did. You know, maybe he asked them, what next now? He said, now you need to type. He said, fine, you know, I will do that. Yeah. And what next? You need to walk in love. Fine, I will love everybody. You know, what next? So whatever he learned, he was doing. You know, he was at the state whereby he was willing to do whatever God wanted to do, uh, him to do, whatever was written in the Bible for him to do, he was willing to do that you know, because he had an encounter with God. And so, brethren, it's a blessing. It's a blessing to have an encounter with God. You know, it's a blessing you know, that we should know God personal in our lives. We will see that uh, that experience that you have with God, nobody can take it away. Yeah. I, I know of people who have been harassed and beaten by their parents. That you, 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 we don't want Bazalwan, we don't want born again here in this house, and they were beaten. Others, they were locked outside, yeah, but they held on to the Lord because the Lord was real in their lives. You know, the Lord was real in their lives. And so church, 
Yeah, that's what we need to be experiencing in our lives, in our lives as Christians. Uh, may the Lord be real in your life. May the Lord be there, you know, be real in your life. Yeah, may you have an encounter with God in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for the brethren that are watching right now. Lord, I pray that, that, that you would be real in their lives. Jesus, I pray that you be real in their lives, that they would have that encounter with you in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray, mighty God, that they would not be superficial Christians, but that they would be Christians who know you, Christians who are given to you, Christians, Lord, who have met you in their lives, Christians who have an encounter with you, that God, it does not matter what they would face in the future, but that God, they would know that the God in whom they have believed, the God in whom, uh, with whom they had an encounter will be there for them and will take care of them. Lord, I pray that you be with them by your spirit. You help them, you guide them, you lead them by your spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you, God, for doing that by your spirit. <clears throat> Lord, I thank you that all those that are sick, that you're touching them right now, your healing power, it's resting upon their lives, that the anointing, it's resting upon their lives in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I declare that every virus that touches their body disappears, it dies instantly in the name of Jesus Christ, that the life of God is flowing supernaturally in their lives, in the name of Jesus. I thank you, God, for provision upon their lives, that you are providing your children. You're meeting every need, Lord. You're coming through, manifesting supernaturally in them, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for encouraging those that are discouraged. That God, you're encouraging them. You're raising them up and encouraging them in you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you, God, that you are protecting your children's families, their houses, Lord. I thank you that your angels encamp around them, encamp around their properties, encamp around their traveling, that we will never hear bad news about your children, but God will always hear good news that you have been there for them, you have taken care of them in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Father, that the light of the Lord is shining around their lives in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for doing that by your spirit. Lord, I believe that this week will be a great week for them. It will be a wonderful week. It will be a glorious week. It will be a powerful week. It will be a week of signs and wonders in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for doing that by your spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us during this episode. Join us next time, even as we continue to learn and grow with Apostle David Muluzi. Also, visit our website for more at cfcpolokwane.com. God richly bless you.